Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice. Today is Thursday, March the 1st. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Very proud to be in our second season of This Week in Voice. We're off to a great start. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice is Voice XP blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is a St. Louis-based company that creates Alexa skills for businesses. Uh, and as we have spoken about on this program the past few weeks, they have now joined the Capital Innovator Startup Accelerator Program, which is a top 10 startup accelerator based in St. Louis uh, that's up there with Y Combinator, Techstars, and some others. If you are looking for someone to create an Alexa skill for your business, you need to reach out to Bob Stolzberg, who's the founder of Voice XP. He's a friend of the program. He's a friend of voice technology in general. He'll help steer you the right direction and, and help uh, and help you do that and help you do that in a cost-effective way as well. Uh, VoiceXP.com. We are very pleased to have a phenomenal panel today. Amy Stapleton, CEO of Tellables, is joining us. Amy, say hello. Hi, everybody. Amy. Tell us a little bit about what Tellables is and what y'all are doing. Uh, Tellables is um, a company that's making interactive story games. So those are short conversational voice experiences that you can have with a voice assistant. And um, right now they're kind of designed to be educational and entertaining. So I guess our, our claim to fame is the tricky genie skill. Um, and we are actively working on some, some new uh, story experiences. We're hoping to release those pretty soon and then uh, at the latest later this year. So if you want to find out more, you can listen to episode seven of the Alexa podcast. Wow. Love that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's synergy. That's, uh, that's the corporate buzzword that we'll use for that uh, reference. Thank you very much, Amy. We also have Dan Miller on the program. Dan, say hello. Hi, everybody. Dan is founder and lead analyst at Opus Research. Dan, tell us a little bit about what you do and what Opus Research does. Sure, glad to. So I think we're old school uh, voice services and that sort of thing. It's, it's a company I founded back in 1986 and was looking at how um, voice technologies and other interactive services were being merged with things going on in contact centers. But in the past five years, let's say, um, we've been pursuing what um, I coined the term conversational commerce back in 2011. <laughs> and this was about looking at where um, stuff going on on the web got married with um, many of the technologies, including, you know, speech processing, natural language understanding, all sorts of things that um, contribute to better uh, conversations uh, across phones, now these intelligent endpoints and speakers and that sort of thing. And we're living in a very exciting time <laughs> for me. So the stuff I'd, I'd been writing about and envis envisaging, if that is a word, or envisioning, you know, back last century <laughs> are all sort of coming to pass. Just didn't have the timing exactly right. Beautiful thing. And I did happen to see, which I did not know that you coined the term conversational commerce. As you might have noticed, we've got a bit of that on the program today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, that's it's inescapable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's very cool. Dan, thank you for joining us as well. Sure. Thank you for having me. So with that, we'll get to the news. Our first story this week, Amazon gets the wallet out. They bought Ring for more than $1 billion. I think I read this was the second largest acquisition 
that Amazon has ever made. Um, there's a lot to this. Um, one of the things I found most interesting and I think really uh, bodes well for the voice first landscape is the fact that Amazon did this after already being an investor in the company via the Alexa fund. I think that just uh, really gives the Alexa fund and everything that they're doing with Alexa a lot of tailwind um, just for that reason alone. But I want to turn to the panel. I want to get y'all's take on this. And Amy, I'm going to start with you. What is your take from Amazon buying Ring? Are you excited about it? Are you upset about it? You think it holds a lot of promise? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I don't know that I'm upset or excited about it either way. I just think it kind of shows that Amazon really wants access to the home. And, you know, that's one way for them to, to get closer to your, to where you live and to being able to get inside the house to deliver packages or whatever. I mean, I, one thing that I thought was interesting is there was an, another article this week that came out in Forbes um, about the shift from the importance of hardware to the importance of, of the, you know, the AI voice assistant and how the company that owns the, the ecosystem of the voice assistant is really going to own the future. So it's, so the, the software platform is much more important than the hardware platform, but then this acquisition in a way, I mean, it doesn't refute that that premise, but it kind of shows that hardware, I guess, can be can be pretty important too. You know, you kind of, I think Amazon wants to hedge its bets and not just be the the voice assistant platform of choice in the home, but also the 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 owner of of some of those hardware those hardware products that that people actually that the end user is actually putting in their home. The, the two aren't divorced, the the hardware versus software. So we're looking at a lot more intelligent endpoints, be it in the home, be it in the car. I do want to bring up that Jamie Siminoff, who is the founder of, of Ring, had been sort of a serial entrepreneur, and there are strong links to the voice processing industry in that um, he was a CEO of a company called Samuel Scribe, which changed its name to PhoneTag, uh, would have been like 10 years ago, I think, and was one of the first companies doing uh, voice-to-text transcription specifically for voicemail systems. So chances are, if you have a mobile phone and you have one of those services that shows um, the content of a, of a voicemail that somebody left for you, you're using um, something that he had already sold to companies that were, that were doing that as carriers. So it almost oozes over to the next story. I'm, I'm sure there was a strong appreciation on Jamie's part of the, of the power of voice and certainly on Amazon's part of, of getting deeper hooks um, into the, the breadth of what voice-based commerce promises. So it's, it's hardware, it's software, it's, it's um, you know, end-to-end um, commerce. So there's the order entry and all the way to fulfillment and delivery. There's nothing that signals that something like this is going to happen than someone making some sort of pro- proclamation, some sort of bold statement that you know, software is more important than hardware. You know, it's no sooner that someone comes out saying something like that, that this happens. But, uh, you know, that's that's great commentary all the way around. I, I, I'm excited because I deeply respect, as I've talked about in this program before, I deeply respect Amazon's market leadership. Uh, they're being very bold in the marketplace. They uh, indisputably dominate 
smart speaker, you know, the, the mainstream smart speaker market uh, and, and all of the associated products they have in the Echo line and um, getting the wallet out, spending over a billion dollars for an entirely new set of hardware to go along with the Echo ecosystem, the ecosystem, it's, it's impressive. So, you know, I, I like seeing what they're doing because you know it's going to be tied into voice-first applications. You know that that's the impetus, you know, behind so much of what the company is doing. I, I love the story. I think it was great, um, and I'm excited to see what they do. Any closing thoughts before we move on? Just that the Shark Tank investors really missed out, I guess. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I would also say that, that um, <clears throat> Amazon has, has made a, a number of, of acquisitions that that showed great foresight you know they they've done uh speech rack that is very accurate in ivona they have done the the speech to text they and they have a way of marrying it with their own internal development so you'll see some of the best brains in the business um taking advantage of of the raw material they're getting with with these acquisitions excellent so we will move on to story number two which is our voicebot.ai story of the week voicebot.ai is a very good website for news and commentary in the voice and AI realm. Uh, we have a voicebot.ai story of the week every week. And this week, it is Google announces carrier and OEM programs for Google Assistant. And it was interesting to see this. And before I even say anything about this, I want to get the panel's take on what they think is going on here. Dan, I'm going to start with you. Are you um, uh, encouraged by this? Uh, do you think that this was a move out of necessity? Tell me your take as you look at this story. Um, so it's Mobile World Congress Week. Uh, there's a lot of attention being paid to, you know, what the major carrier's uh, position is is going to be uh, in a voice-first world. I, I'm not a big fan of declaring winners and losers, and I am one of those people that think that we have to have sort of an open environment. As much as you talk of the ecosystem, which I do like that pun, <laughs> um, you know, versus the, the platforms and for um, service creation and running, uh, you know, Google skills. You know, what, <laughs> it, it, it has this image of an arms race and a war, and it also has, um, you know, a, a certain amount of confusion for the developers themselves. But when you look at the business entities that have the largest stake in these services, which, which are essentially uh, communications-based, even though there's small endpoints, there's transactions, there's all sorts of things going on, um, you know, it, it, it's wise to reach out to the global giants in telecommunications, you know, be it Orange, be it Telefonica, be it um, whomever, we're, we're going to see ways that they want to leverage their longstanding infrastructure to do everything from, you know, providing high-speed communications and transport, which is fundamental to this, um, to having transaction processing billing, all, the, all those sorts of things, even though you know, Amazon clearly has that in spades. But, you know, you look through Google's history and when they you know, wanted to roll out a phone <laughs> or, um, you know, bring search or high speed Internet to remote areas, they know pretty well what role uh, and what power, you know, uh, big carriers have. Well, let me chime in, too, because I was actually interested to get your take on this, Dan, because um, well, we haven't said this yet, but Dan and I are, are recent colleagues because I was an analyst with Opus um, 
after I retired from NASA a couple years ago. And when I saw the um, the announcement and I looked at the the video that that had, was post, posted on voicebot.ai with tele, Telefonica doing their presentation, it looked like they were trying to integrate their their customer support virtual assistant, which I know based on the work we did together, Dan, that they had this company, Ivo, had created the the movie star virtual assistant, which could you know, answer customer questions about data usage and maybe change their mobile plan and stuff like that. So it looked like they were trying to integrate that company-specific um, chatbot, if you will, into Google Assistant. And they kind of demoed that a little bit, but but they're actually keeping – Telefonic is, is naming the assistant Aura, so they have their own name, Aura, and the, the customer can apparently – contact Aura and find out things about their Telefonica plan through the Google Assistant. Is that kind of how you understood what was going on? I wasn't sure if I was really understanding it or not. Yeah, there was a a kitchen sink element to it. (laughs) So, you know, previous investment both in the uh, virtual assistant that's baked in was certainly there. I'll tell you, as as I watched the demo, what I was impressed with, and, you know, they they brought up Microsoft and Cortana and Lewis, were some of the mumblings of, of an open approach. So you're not married to, you know, Alexa and its tools. You're not, uh, you, you can shop for the understanding entity that you, you want to use. And, and to your point, stuff that was developed for the last generation or for, um, you know, and Telefonica is a huge company with several well, not subsidiaries, but affiliates on a country-by-country basis. There have been a a number of acquisitions. Um, You can see them leveraging the investment they've made in both voice-first and and, and virtual agents. So so to your point, Amy, it's all of the above, and and it signals a a certain openness to um, several approaches being supported. It's interesting to look at this story because – you, you definitely get the sense of Google beginning to get a little bit better at understanding, you know, where the points of vulnerability against Amazon may be. And with mobile devices, uh, of which Amazon does not have one, that, uh, that easily could be it. And before we move on, I want to just go back to Amazon for a second and ask you all the question. Do you think that Amazon, in the wake of news like this, you know, Google working to get device-specific commands with Google Assistant in with these OEMs and whatnot, do you think that, uh, and I guess this will be going on the record, do you think that Amazon will try a phone again? Or do you think that they're going to try to create a world where we need a phone a little bit less and that'll be their approach? What are are y'all's thoughts? And uh, Amy, I'll start with you. I guess if I had to bet, I would say the latter, right? that they would, they're trying to create a world where we're not really reliant upon the phone. It's a great question. I, I think we're seeing nothing short of the redefinition of what a, what a phone is. <laughs> so, so the phone's functionality is being distributed across a number of different endpoints and, and almost non-endpoints. So it's hard to say in one breath that, uh, or, you know, in one half of the brain that, uh, these are, you know, deviceless, these being uh, virtual agents or the, the thing that we talk to uh, to get stuff done. Um, you know, ideally, it's divorced from, and here's that hardware software discussion again, but it's divorced from specific hardware. So, yes, I'm going to carry around a smartphone, but if I sit in my car and press a button on the steering wheel, I'm going to talk to that thing. Um, 
there's going to be more and more occasions um, where I'm I'm using text to to do the input and that sort of thing. So that if if the focus is on service and value um, and that, that individuals can derive from the fact that, you know, all of these uh, <clears throat> capabilities are, are baked into a network. I think the mission is to devalue um, the hardware specifically uh, and build the services so that the, I as an individual can, can just use my voice or use my thumbs or whatever to, to get what I want done. And I guess before we move on, while we're on the topic of mobile devices, obviously there's Apple sitting there. Both of y'all are established veterans in the voice space. What are your thoughts, especially in the context of this article and what Google's doing, is I'm just going to ask you the question that I often ask on this program. Is it too late for Apple in voice technology without making a litany of acquisitions and trying to catch up? Or do you expect them to be able to leverage their iOS user base in a similar fashion to this and gain ground? What do you think? Dan, I'll start with you. You know, in the, in the horse race <laughs> that, that involves uh, Apple and Siri, I suppose Samsung and Bixby, um, and, and their ecosystems, not ecosystems, um, you know, it, it's never going to be too late. The, the hidden assets... Uh, Essentially, for um, Apple or the Apple ID, the links to Apple Pay, to, to the to the rest of commerce, if you will, and to the the dedication of you know the longstanding uh, fan people. So you know, Apple's never been a, a market share leader as you look across the the mobile phones, but but they do have a loyal base. Um, you know. Contrary to what you know, every scientific analysis of the quality of Siri <laughs> recognizing intent or, or <laughs> recognizing words, um, it's right up there with with the rest of them, and 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 the rest of them, I mean, Google, Microsoft, Cortana, and and any sort of third party that comes in. You know, we we've seen you know over ninety percent accuracy for years, and now you know pushing ninety five to ninety eight. That's just word word recognition accuracy. You know, both Apple and Google, and for that matter, Facebook are getting good at you know because they have so much data at the understanding of the words that they're capturing. But it doesn't disqualify. It, it's close enough that Apple is not disqualified, and there's other assets that Apple has, both in terms of its fan base and its technology base and its design, um, that you're you're not going to see them go down very easily at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with, with what Dan says. He makes some good points. I mean, that it, it seems like, you know, just on a, on a gut level, it feels like Amazon um, with Alexa and Google with Google Assistant, they've already penetrated so many households and people are already starting to develop a relationship with these, with these entities that it, it might be hard, hard for someone else to catch up. But in reality, I think we're still very early in the market. So I would be hesitant to, you know, to rule out a comeback by, by Apple at this point. Okay. So y'all are on the record. It is hard to rule them out, you know, and we'll, we'll see what 2018 has in store for us. We're going to move on to story number three, shopping by voice set to explode. And guess who will benefit the most? We've got to start with the person who introduced the term conversational commerce, the person who coined the term. Dan, as you look at this article, 
there's several things going on here. Give me your thoughts. I'll tell you, I've covered that area for so long. <laughs> the, the idea of an explosion invokes the image of like a hockey stick, you know, as if, you know, this has all been ramped up and then all of a sudden something happened to trigger an explosion the, the, the word that they're using here my preferred framing is that you know voices coming into its own just as we <laughs> we've been expecting um, and, and it and it's going to be organic I think uh, you know people anticipating an explosion are going to be disappointed <laughs> but I, I do think and Bradley you, you and and the voice first people articulated this best in the in the past year, there is indeed a proliferation of voice-first devices. Service developers are well-counseled to treat as just that, <laughs> that it's voice-first and it can invoke other things. Because I, I think what's getting interesting, you know, or, you know, be it the Echo Show or the fact that, you know, you can, you can talk to a TV remote and have something happen on a screen and, you know, that's going to turn into search, um, I, I do think that there's a proliferation of, of voice-first endpoints, and shopping will be among the things that people do, and the fact that there's more elegant integration of visual, of text. I, I think that's what, what gets really um, you know, much more important. So explosion's a very strong term. <laughs> Organic adoption uh, strikes me as the, as the way to look at it, and then having the full force of, of multimedia, of improved recognition of intent, cutting to the chase and, and shortening the time it takes to complete a transaction. You know, that's what I'll be looking for. Um, the fact that nothing's easy when you go end to end will, will temper the explosion, if you will. But we're certainly seeing much more sophisticated uh, services out there. Um, and they and they do accelerate the adoption of, of shopping and using your voice to do so. Well, there was a there was another article um, published in the Wall Street Journal that was called "Big Brands Risk Losing Their Voice," which I think was related to to one of the key points in the in the uh, the, the shopping by voice set to explode article. And th that was something that um, actually Dan and and I have written about for a couple of years in terms of these what. What at Opus? I don't know if you guys are still calling them megabots, but kind of like the, you know the the controlling platforms like the the Alexa platform, the Google Assistant platform. Those those voice assistants are becoming gatekeepers in the sense that they're the ones that are going to be able to make the recommendations that would then drive the consumer to purchase certain products versus versus other products. So that's that's kind of an interesting you know conundrum and how are brands going to deal with that and there was a cartoon that was circulating last week I don't know if you guys saw it it was like this lady asks Alexa to order Kleenex she says Alexa order me Kleenex and Alexa says ordering you Amazon basics facial tissue and she says no I want Kleenex and, and Alexa says Amazon um, uh, choice facial tissues is 30% off and free delivery with Prime. And she goes, no, I want Kleenex. And Alexa goes, getting you the weather for Phoenix. You know, it's just, <laughs> she's just pretending at that point that she doesn't understand that the lady wants Kleenex. So I, I think it is an, an issue. And I wonder how brands are going to deal with it. The, you know, the commodity brands, it seems like they're being counseled to make sure they don't that they, that they're in the Amazon Basics program or something, you know, they're in the Amazon ecosystem and make sure you understand, if at all possible, the algorithm that Amazon uses to recommend products when people do the voice search. 
but that, you know, that's going to be tough. I mean, if you're, if you're more of a specialty brand or a luxury brand, you can probably find ways, for, you know, through skills or whatever to, to make people aware of your product. But I just don't know how commodities are going to do it. I think that this whole, you know, voice commerce, it, it's sort of like a winner take all thing that's setting itself up. So I, I do see that as an issue. I, I don't know what you guys think about yeah. that. Well, I'm, I'm frowning a little bit, but, but I do give Amy credit for coining the term megabot. Um, and then, you know, I see Chris Messina, my, my uh, friend who also coined conversational commerce in a, in a different context around uh, messaging platforms, working with a company called Molly that is, um, that some people have referred to as the God bot. <laughs> so, so this, this idea that uh, the virtual assistant or a voice enabled agent operating on your behalf can be that arbiter or um, entity that knows your preferences, knows that you want Kleenex, not generic tissue, <laughs> all that sort of stuff is, is one of the hopes of, uh, of, for brands, frankly. We Opus have just um, launched coverage of what we're calling conversational marketing as opposed to <laughs> conversational commerce in general to start brands thinking about how they want to use both the voice first and the conversational infrastructure to forge uh, relationships with, you know, turning prospects into customers, um, making sales. Um, you know, voice, voice can be a big part of it. Um, you know, I think Amazon did make a statement when, you know, Echo, and when, when, when Alexa had its own voice, when the people that were developing Alexa skills, people being brands <laughs> developing Alexa skills, discovered that they don't have access to voice files, that they can't have Alexa talk in their voice. Um, you know, they're, they're already figuring out how to get past those deficiencies in what the uh, conversational model is. Because <laughs> I argue that, you know, most conversations are, are, are taking turns between two entities. And as soon as you have to say something like, Alexa, ask Capital One what my balance is, which incidentally you have to first say open Capital One and then the next thing. You've kind of created not a dialogue, but a trialogue. And, and, we're, and as Amy just said, we're at very early days and, and this form of conversation will not stand. This article, and uh, yeah, and there were some other articles that talked around the same issue that I saw, you know, Amy, you mentioned one in the Wall Street Journal. I saw another one from USA Today where they were talking about some aspects of this core concept, which is this is essentially, you know, many brands, I think, probably properly view this as the Death Star rolling in with what Amazon is doing with the... Uh, uh, the ecosystem and Alexa and that that in combination um, or in conjunction with their existing retail platform, because just from my standpoint as being someone who's sort of relatively new to this, you know, in the last couple of years, if you're counting on Amazon to refer voice searches to your product as opposed to their product, that's probably not a safe assumption. <laughs> that's probably not something you want to be counting on. And, um, you know, we've seen this time and again with Amazon's site where, you know, they'll do things that are very customer friendly um, from the standpoint strictly of pricing. But they're conversely, you know, hostile to, you know, some merchant who's on the receiving end of that. And one example that comes to mind is 
when Amazon rolled out, when they first rolled out the ability to sell used products on the site. And it just showed up one day, um, you know, within books and a couple of other categories that, uh, you know, here's the price of the product. And yes, you can buy that now. Or you can buy it used starting at this other price. It's about, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 50% of the, uh, of the new price and, uh, people got all upset and then they eventually got over it. But the overall theme here is that Amazon's going to do whatever it is Amazon's going to do. And, um, and it's just interesting to try to think about what that means for the future, because Amazon spent a lot of money and a lot of resources getting this infrastructure in place all over, you know, all over the place and in, in, in going to every new market that's conceivable and rolling out a new market every week, it seems like internationally, but the end game of that is less clear because, you know, the eventual ultimate endpoint is that brands have to control their own destiny. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Any closing thoughts on this story? Well, if I can do a shameless plug, <laughs> you Please. brought up one, one of the core um, topics that's going to come up at our Conversational Commerce Conference in May in London. And then again, because it's going to be an evergreen topic. So, and in November, we'll be in San Francisco uh, with the Conversational Commerce Conference. And you were at last year's, uh, well, both of you. <laughs> this is, a, this is a, a strategic and tactical topic that's, that's ripe for constant discussion. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old hippie. So, so I'm, I'm in the world, uh, I live in a world where, you know, open source stuff, the lack of walled gardens in terms of development environments, um, the sharing of information across platforms um, wins out. Um, don't know how, but, you know, the internet and web is better than the consumer online services that preceded it. Um, and then every effort to, to put a ring fence around, um, you know, exclusive hardware configurations or, um, well, you know, even with the, um, you know, operating systems for, for mobile phones and stuff, maybe there are winners and losers, but there, there's certainly a voice, um, for openness <laughs> and um and and you know we'll see and, and it's kind of related to the next story so I'll, I'll, I'll shut up but but you know how how you build a viable value chain from per individual to a brand or um you know to other individuals for that matter there's there's a real argument for openness and moving agency if you will closer to the intelligent endpoints and you know, right now, I, I hear you, Amazon <laughs> has, has just jumped out of the, the pack to, you know, to build its ecosystem, to get a proliferation of, of Echo-capable uh, devices, or Echo and Alexa-capable devices out there. Um, but we'll see. We're, like Amy said, it, it's still early days. Well, I think you're being a little over, overly optimistic, though, Dan, about <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> I, I agree that, that that that's a hope, but I think just just as web search completely reshuffled who who won and who lost, and there there's still you know a battle being fought there. I think voice commerce is going to do the same thing, and it's going to be hard to compete. And and uh, I think it's a huge opportunity, but also a huge threat. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it how it develops. But you know, the, there's going to be there's going to be play, the players that own the platform are definitely going to have an advantage. Yeah, I mean, I just see a, a future where, you know, you say, Alexa, you know, order me a, a Google Home Mini or Alexa, order me a HomePod. And she says, no, thanks. 
<laughs> you know, or, uh, or, and you could just apply that to whatever brand you want to, you know, Amazon will just simply divert traffic to wherever they want to. But I do want to take a minute and go back, Dan, to what you were saying. Yes. The intelligent assistance conference was phenomenal. All the events y'all do are great. Um, loved every minute of being out there in San Francisco for that. And so while someone is buying their passes to the Voice of Healthcare Summit uh, in August and the Alexa Conference uh, presented by Voice First FM in January, they also should go to Opus Research and buy uh, passes to all of your conferences as well. They are phenomenal. Thank you. Did, did you <laughs> enjoy that? Did, did you enjoy that? I, I did. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love that. And so um, we will move on. Obviously, this story will be with us for henceforth, uh, but we will roll on to story number four. There, this is a two-parter, um, and we'll cover this first part first. Amazon announces the expansion of their development payment program, uh, which we've talked about on this show quite a bit. Uh, we've talked about it in context of needing more monetization, which we've gotten now. Uh, but Amazon, even in the wake of rolling out some explicit monetization options, uh, continues to develop this developer payment program. And, and the news this week is that it inc now includes uh, and pays money to developers of top Alexa skills for children. And I want to get y'all's take on, you know, and, and a lot of this conversation is about Amazon. You don't have to restrict it to that. Do you see monetization for uh, and Amy, I'll start with you. Do you see monetization for voice applications going the direction um, in the intermediate to longer term of this payment program, where these sort of this black box computes your payment and out poof here it is? Or do you see things going in the way of explicit monetization? You know, here's our uh, Google Home action, and you can use it for free, but you can buy, you know, our book in there uh, or whatever. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. I'm thinking that it's going to be a while before third-party developers can effectively monetize their their own skills for you know a lot of different reasons. Um, I think the fact that that Amazon is paying these rewards is a great thing. I mean, we Tellables was a beneficiary of that unexpectedly last year. It really helped us. It, it incentivized us to keep to keep going. You know, the surefire way, I guess, to make money now is to be a developer of of skills for for brands, for companies, whatever. Someone that wants a skill. But if you're if you're just a you know a studio, a, a, an application creator that wants to deploy your own applications, it's it's difficult to be discovered. Um, in in many cases, uh, it a lot of a lot of voice assistant owners aren't really even aware of the third party ecosystem. So I, I do think it's going to be a while before that that all shakes out. I think there's going to have to be some subsidizing of these creative individuals by the um, by the, the the hardware makers or the you know the the ecosystem owners. I mean, I actually went to a school last week, and this kind of crosses over into the, the other part of this story about the fourth grader and, his, and you know, his experiences with the, um, with the assistants. But, I mean, all the kids are, you know, they really are very excited about interacting with a voice assistant. There's certain little things they like to ask, like, uh, you know, one of their favorites at the school was Alexa beam me up, and every time they asked that, she would say something different or they'd ask her for a joke and stuff. But, again, they're not, you know, really aware of the third-party skills. Um, I personally tried out the top – 20 kids 
skills that had made it through to that level in the challenge. And I thought some of them were just, you know, really fantastic. I mean, very creative stuff, but it's going to be hard to monetize things like that. So uh, I do, I, I do foresee, and I, and, you know, my hope is that the, the platform providers will continue to, to reward and, and subsidize those that want to, you know, experiment and, and try to innovate at least for the, for the next couple of years, let's say. I, I kind of defer to Amy on this because she does have the experience, you know, with the development, uh, with with the subsidy. Um, you know, I, I just point to what's going on with with um, you know, I mentioned it before, the apps for smartphones, where there's you know, there's thousands and thousands of them. Uh, as Amy mentioned, discovery does uh, present a problem, and um, you know, as Voicebot and others have pointed out regarding the you know, both, both the skills and actions, um, you know, one measure of success is whether you get discovered and used and then repeat usage is, is, you know, moving really high up in the pyramid. So, you know, a small percentage will achieve that discovery use and repeated use. And for those, you know, there's a, there's a clear path to monetization, but, you know, it's a very small fraction of, of the developer community. So, uh, you know, I would say the subsidies are necessary now and probably for the foreseeable future to keep some people in, in with uh, skills or actions of merit um, in the game. And then, um, you know, the, the, the cold, hard realities of a, of a true marketplace, um, you know, come into play. And it's probably not that different from publishing so you know there'll be some bestsellers um that will make money and there'll be you know everything across the spectrum you know to self-publishing and hope mom and dad read it <laughs> and um and you know that that's probably the pattern that it will follow completely agree and i think the subsidies program you know the the uh, whatever they call it the developer i couldn't i actually struggled to find the official name for it but i, I, I the rewards payment no. okay. Okay, yeah, rewards payment or developer payment program is phenomenal as long as there's other pathways for developers to take. And that's that was a story, you know, a major theme of this show last year was uh, we got to have options here. And, you know, eventually Amazon rolled them out. And, and now, in, given that any developer can incorporate some of these other monetization things and control their destiny to some degree, the fact that Amazon... Uh, continues to pick up some of these exemplar uh, skills and show them off and reward them monetarily. I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and frankly, I think it establishes a precedent for uh, ecosystems moving forward. You know, if Amazon's going to do that and you have the possibility of going to the mailbox one day and getting a check for, you know, a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks or whatever it is, why would you ever spend time developing for, you know, Apple's new developer platform that they finally roll out in two years? You know, it, uh, I, I think it permanently raises the bar in, in many ways, but I want to shift gears for a moment to the second part of this story. And uh, story 4A here is from The Verge. Uh, they've got a fourth grader reviewing the Amazon Alexa Echo Dot and the Google Home Mini. I absolutely loved this story. I reached out to uh, the woman at The Verge whose son this is um, and complimented them for that. And 
Uh, I love seeing kids get involved with this. I want to ask both of you, and Dan, I'm going to start with you. It's a two-part question. Number one, just did you enjoy the reviews? I thought they were great. What did you, what did you think of that? And, but the second question is, you know, as has been alluded to, kids are growing up with this technology. This is the voice first generation in many ways. Uh, kids uh, now, you know, I've got a six-year-old, uh, you know, he, uh, he's going to grow up with, thinking that every computer he ever interacts with, uh, the primary interface is going to be voice. Um, is there anything that we're not thinking about that we need to protect kids from with this ecosystem, or should we just let them have full reign access? So two part question, uh, what are your, what's your thoughts? I thought the kid was tremendously articulate and, and wrote, and I'm sure there was some editing, but, but wrote in such a natural tone that it, it was really enjoyable um, and, and, you know, as an old person like myself, it, it did expose me to the, to sort of the same questions you're asking. And, you know, well, I was a liberal parent, so I'm not about to change my stripes and say, you know, we, we should, we as adults should presume to protect um, kids from, you know, certain things. Uh, you know, this is just a flavor or rendition of, of everything that is both online and offline. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like we have more to learn from the kids than, than, than we can imagine. So in some ways, you just want to step back and watch. And, and you know, just like you said, Bradley, the, um, they're, they're native to this. <laughs> so, so you're going to observe sort of the, the native spontaneous reaction and that's so much better, you know, when you start thinking about uh, user experience design and, and you know, um, ways that designers of voice user interfaces or um, graphical user interfaces um, start using terms like, oh, we need to orchestrate stuff or, you know, choreograph the experience. Um, no, <laughs> sit back, watch what, watch what a, a native does and, and, and see what you can learn. Um, and then, you know, the, the whole, you know, what sort of protection should be put in there. Um, that'll happen organically too. Because <laughs> every movement has its own backlash. We have V chips on TVs and, and things like that. So I guess we have to provide some controls for those uh, who want to enforce a, a set of rules or norms. Um, it's not my style, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I think you know, if, if the devices or platforms themselves get treated as tools for individuals to use the way they want to, then there'll be another set of tools for, you know, sort of uh, enforcing norms or, or values or laws, if you will, um, so that they, they conform to that. I really enjoy the, the article, too. I, um, I thought it was interesting that the young man seemed to kind of express a, a preference for Alexa just sort of on a subjective level that he enjoyed talking to her more, even though Google Assistant was just as adept at in some ways at answering questions about his, you know, his baseball teams and stuff. He enjoyed talking to Alexa more. So I thought that was interesting and that would be kind of something to explore, you know, why, why that is. Um, in terms of protecting kids, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of things we can protect them from. I, I tend to think of it a little differently. I, I'm, I'm hopeful because we're so early in this and we can, you know, we can turn these assistants into anything. I'm hopeful that they will be less like, um, you know, mind-numbing time time burner type skills that people engage with and more more really um, thought-provoking kind of 
conversational experiences where you can build your critical thinking and, and really have more meaningful conversations. I mean, I think there's there's the possibility that a voice assistant could be more educational, at, but at the same time engaging than, let's say, playing like a mobile app game. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's the direction that that these skills and these uh, interactive experiences will take if they're targeted to children. But, you know, we'll just, we'll just have to see what, what people prefer, I guess. We've had a lot of stories. Um, one of the great things about this podcast is it's just a front row seat to the landscape of voice technology. And every week, you know, we curate the news and present things that people will find interesting. And, and for the most part, people agree with what we present. And uh, it just keeps your current. It's, it's fascinating to see all the different aspects that people talk about and the stuff that makes news. We have not yet had, you know, we've had uh, privacy stories every week. We've had commerce stories every week. We've had Amazon versus Google versus Apple every week. But what we haven't really had yet is some child, you know, something negative happening to a child as a result of a voice ecosystem. And I'm sure that day is coming. But, uh, you know, Dan, I agree with you. There's sort of an ebb and flow to these things. There's sort of this natural process that naturally you know, takes place. And, um, you know, I guess we'll get to watch that happen. I, uh, I nearly included a story this week. Uh, and I intended to include a story about uh, the NRA and people uh, people's backlash to Amazon as a result of um, a perceived, it appears, there hasn't been a statement, but a perceived, yeah. uh, it, it all centered around, you know, Amazon TV, uh, you know, Amazon Prime carries NRA TV. So someone feels like they're going to abandon Amazon's entire business over that. And, you know, it, it, I, I decided to leave that story out. But every week, it's, it, another constant theme is I've got this mental image in my head of, you know, Amazon's got the market, you know, like by the throat. And at the same time, society, which is bigger than Amazon, has got Amazon by the throat because all these people, you know, we did a story last year when Kathy Pearl was on about, conservatives were all upset, of which I am a conservative, uh, conservatives were all upset uh, about uh, somebody somewhere asked Alexa, you know, who is Jesus Christ? And they gave them an answer they didn't like. Now people are uh, upset uh, the past week about, on the liberal end of things, asking Alexa, what is the NRA? And they get an answer that they don't like. And it, it, the, the kid conversation and the protecting children dovetails so closely with society thinking that we need society wants to control the speech coming out of this device and from the standpoint uh you know of being a free speech advocate i'm absolutely that's imperative and so you know i dan i sort of agree with you um let's uh let's let it play out let's not be too restrictive and um and just see what happens that's my personal view no, I, and, and I share, and, and you know, I, I love forums where you get people across all, all ends of, of a ideological spectrum, uh, but you raise a really important point um, at this very early stage, as we point out, because uh, it is early. We've been doing this a long time, but it's early. Uh, at our Intelligence Assistant Conference uh, two years ago, we, were, we started talking about the importance of building empathy, sentiment, recognition, and, and frankly, something like ethics into virtual assistance and, and its ability to understand. And, you know, you're getting to the heart of, you know, what a response looks like to some specific 
polarizing questions and I have no idea. I mean, I would love to figure out how, how um, you overcome that, but, but, you know, just as, you know, and I'll, I'll bring up Facebook for the first time when, when Facebook M uh, w- was alive and up and running, it introduced the mechanism whereby people could be the arbiters of, you know, what, what a proper response would be. Um, and, and I think it's unavoidable as much as we talk about automated skills and understanding and recognition. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're really talking about machine learning. And one of the things we've learned as the technologies have matured is that we're always going to need some sort of human input. And in the context of this discussion, it, it may be as a buffer, um, you know, so that, uh, you know, and the, the classic the classic example is like two years old now when, you know, uh, when a person said, Siri, you know, I'm thinking, you know, where, where can I learn about committing suicide? And Siri said, let me find four sites <laughs> that can explain this to you when Siri should have said, no, oh, no, says, I'd, I'd like to refer you to a suicide hotline or something. But, but that takes human intervention. So we're never going to go totally soulless, totally polarizing. <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I would just say if, if you're, if you're so determined not to offend anybody, it's going to be really hard to, to innovate. You know, that's, that's sort of a, a double-edged sword. Well, sure. And uh, until we have pitch-perfect AI, you know, any sort of response has got the potential to offend somebody. And, uh, and you're right. These are early days. It's, it's a fascinating topic, and, uh, and I'm glad uh, it was on the docket for this week. Great commentary from you all. Greatly appreciated. And by the way, I love that article from the fourth grader as well. His name is Benicio. We have invited him to appear on This Week in Voice. Uh, they have uh, indicated they are going to do that, uh, he and his mom. Um, and uh, we're super excited about that. We will have some news about that once uh, we get that lined up. We're going to close. This is not just something to discuss. I just want to make sure people are aware. We're very pleased that the Alexa conference is now sponsored by Amazon which will be a diamond sponsor for the event next January in Chattanooga. Once again, we have tweaked the name a little bit. It's now the Alexa conference presented by voice first FM. um, And it's January 15th to the 17th, 2019. We just want to make sure listeners of the program are aware of that uh, and very pleased. Also uh, we've got a number of sponsors coming back on board of which Amy Intellables is one of those. So, Amy, we appreciate you and uh, just want to make sure that everybody knows that and put that on the program so people can click the link if they feel like doing that. Amy and Dan, thank you very, very much for your time this week and your insight and your generosity. Thank you very much. Thank you. And congrats on the Amazon sponsorship. Yeah, Bradley, congratulations. That's, that's awesome. And everybody should definitely sign up for that conference. It's, it's going to be a great one. Absolutely. Appreciate that, y'all. Thank you very much for the great commentary. This was awesome. For This Week in Voice, thank you for listening, and until next time.